welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time, welcome. If you are a part of the community here, welcome back. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you missed out on last week's episode, definitely go back and check it out. I had a chance to sit down and chat with David and Clark from Single Dad Why You Mad podcast. We talked all about co-parenting, relationships, and so much more. So whether you are co-parenting, thinking about co-parenting, or just interested to know what it's like and how it impacts someone's life, definitely give it a listen. Today, I have the opportunity to get some experienced educators together to talk about what it looks like to work from home, teach our kids, and parent all at the same time during this crisis. But before we hop into the episode, I wanted to share something with you. Only 19% of children's books showcase women with jobs or career ambition. By the age of six, many girls already believe they are less smart than boys. And we want to change this, right? 54% of women over the age of 35 said that gender stereotypes they experienced as a child has left a negative impact on their lives as an adult. How many of you can relate? Are you looking for stories to inspire your little girl to pursue her dreams without limits? I know I am always on the hunt for things like this. Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls podcast is an expansion of its best-selling book, which tells hundreds of bedtime stories about the lives of extraordinary women from the past and the present. It is designed to close the confidence gap in young girls. These stories explore the talent and results of incredible women across every possible field. Astronauts, chefs, trombonists, judges, scientists, tennis players, and many more from Jane Goodall to Simone Biles. Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls is narrated by other inspiring women such as Melinda Gates, Jessica Valenti, Jamila Jamil, Justina Machado, and many more. Most of history has been primarily documented by men, which is a narrative that is woven throughout the textbooks children read. Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls offers children the opportunity to hear about historic moments from a woman's context. To inspire the rebel girl in your life, visit www.rebelgirls.com backslash sbm now without further ado let's hop into this episode schools across the country have closed due to the coronavirus pandemic and many parents have been forced to work remotely while developing an educational program in the house it's so difficult to ask for help since everyone is practicing social distancing family included for couples, they get to share childcare responsibilities, but for a single parent, the entire burden falls on our shoulders. 
Some parents, like myself, have never worked home from home before, and they've never had to teach their kids. So before I allow our guests today to introduce themselves, I just want to tell everyone listening to be easy on yourself. If you're anything like me, you are counting your blessings, you're able to work, and there are so many people out there that just don't have this privilege. So I'm trying to remain positive, and you should too. Right now, we are all being asked to perform two full-time jobs at one time. So ladies, can you start by telling everybody a little bit about yourselves? Hi, my name is Kadisa Smith. I am a educator in the Maryland area. I have two children, 10, well, 11 now, 11 and 8. And um, I'm home as an educator um, with my children. And I'm also doing online. I'm an adjunct professor, so I do online math classes as well. Okay, awesome. I'm Kaya Simmons. I've an, been an educator for 22 years. Currently, I'm a clinical instructional coach in Detroit, Michigan. I have one adult son who I raised as a single mom. Hi, I'm Crystal Macklin. I, too, am an educator. Um, I'm in the Cleveland area. I am an education consultant, so I work with schools and districts uh, doing professional development for teachers. And then I also teach adjuncts at um, one of our local community colleges teaching mathematics as well as uh, I'm also a tutor. I have um, three now adult children that I raised as a single mom, so kind of on the other side of where some of the listeners are currently. Okay, awesome. We're glad to have you seasoned moms on. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dee. I am an educator in Prince George's County, Maryland. I have been teaching for 10 years. I am a mom of one who is three. So I have had to adjust our schedules completely throughout. Okay. Interesting. So Dee and Khadija, you guys are working from home as well as your kids being there. And I think one of you, Kaya or Crystal, you may have been working at home with your adult kids as well. So I'm sure a lot of you will be able to kind of talk about what that looks like right now. How has your lives changed? For me, it's a lot of bandwidth sharing. This is Crystal. We're all online. So Two of my three children are in college themselves, and so they are home because their campuses are quarantined, et cetera, and they're trying to finish their semesters online. Now I'm teaching online, trying to finish my semester with my students as well as my other work, so trying to negotiate who has to be on the Internet at a certain time, that's kind of been our life right now. Okay, any, like, major changes because, you know, for the college students, they may have been used to just going to the classroom or were they already enrolled in some online courses? Well, one of my, my son was already in a predominantly online class, but my daughter uh, is a student at USC. So she had to move to get her back here cross-country pretty quick and she was doing all of her classes face-to-face, some of them very hands-on, like photography and um, uh, some of her internships and things. So it's been a drastic shift for her. Wow. Okay, thanks, Crystal, for sharing that. Well, this is Khadija. I think 
my children are 11 and 8. So and I think the dramatic thing is is that when you're homeschooling, a lot of homeschool, majority of homeschool moms don't work at the same time. And if they do, it's more part-time work because they know that they – they spend most of their time with their children, and they make that sacrifice. But when you have to work along with supporting your children during the day because that's where they are high-functioning, and you then have to be on Zooms and conference calls, it becomes like this multitasking, just chaos. So um, I think that has been the biggest adjustment, like trying to figure out where my meetings are so I can give them more independent things and they still remain engaged in work while I have to do my own work and meet my own deadlines and carry on my own meetings and still make sure they get what they are supposed to get from school. Okay. Interesting. Anyone I have to agree. This is me. I have to agree with what Khadija just said because it has been a challenge for me to, like she said, work from home, and then my daughter is three. So it's only so much that she can do on her own without tearing my house up. So um, it's been a really big challenge for me to find things for her that she can do independently. I mean, screen time limits are out the window at this point because I need her to be quiet (laughs) while I'm on Zoom or talking to the parents or the students or something. I need her engaged in a quiet activity while I'm trying to meet my deadlines and upload lesson plans and um, do conference calls and all that. So that has been um, the biggest challenge, I can say, throughout all of this. Okay, interesting. So I know that a lot of schools are, you know, trying to send out communication. So some parents are getting a lot of emails and some aren't. Are your schools that you teach at or um, work at, are they sending out regular lesson plans or is it more supplemental resources? Because um, I know here, I'm in Houston, Texas, and my daughter goes to a public school here, and they haven't really sent out much yet. Like I was telling you guys earlier, they started to send out some things Wednesday, Thursday, but they've been like worksheets, you know, like random stuff. Seems like busy work to me. I don't know, but I just want to know how it is for your schools. Is it regular work that they would normally do at school, or is it just something to sort of help them? For my school, we sent home learning packets that first two weeks that we were going to be out, and we only sent home enough work for each subject for two weeks. When the announcement was made that we were going to continue to be closed, um, then we went into a different shift, as you will, to distance learning. So once the announcement was made that we were going to be closed longer than two weeks, we were told that we needed to make Google Classrooms and upload a week's worth of work to our Google Classroom with instructions. So basically like a lesson plan for each subject. Um, we have also been um, using Class Dojo to communicate with parents what it is their children are supposed to be doing, giving them a schedule, resources, login information, all of that, um, on top of meeting with our classes through Zoom once a week. So I can say that we have been very proactive in letting the parents know exactly 
what the students can do. It's not exactly what we will be doing in the classroom because we have to think these are parents, they're not teachers, sort of to modify the work per se because, I mean, they could be in the same position as us. They're trying to work from home. They have multiple children on multiple levels. They're just trying to figure out the best way to handle life right now. So we have modified the work in a way that I feel like it was easy for the parents to understand and to try to keep them on grade level. Okay, that's awesome. Google Classroom, are people all over using that, or is it just your school? I don't know if you're aware of what other people are using in other states. I don't know what other districts are doing. I have friends in Virginia, and some of their kids' school haven't sent them anything, and they're closed for the rest of the year. So I think it's like a district or maybe it's a school-based thing, but I just know this is what our principal wanted us to do, so this is what we're doing. In the Cleveland area, some of the teachers that I still am uh, working with and in touch with, a lot of them are also using Google Classroom in combination with Zoom or either um, a Google Hangouts type situation. So for my district, pretty much, um, I'm also in PG County, which is interesting. I think because my school is more affluent, uh, my children have resources. My, my students usually have resources. So for them, we have been doing, we already have an online, uh, online system where students already get work, so we've been utilizing more of our online systems for them. And the first, we, we got out the 13th, so we weren't supposed to return, and we thought we were going to just do two weeks. So students just get just received two weeks' worth of work, and we uploaded videos to our online system. Now that we realize we're moving further, um, we have decided to do more face-to-face instruction. So our kids are going to be, our teachers will be on Zoom with kids, and they have been sent out Zoom. But we're also recording Zoom because we also know that as a parent, just like myself, if I can't watch the live lessons, I need to know that I can get the recording and um, my student can also, my child can also look at and be able to complete assignments um, when they're not. But I also know in PG County, the, you know, the superintendent of schools has said that because of students in low-income areas that don't have online um, access, that they will be given packets. And they have, I don't know how, what that looks like in terms of that, and I think Dee can speak more to that, but just in terms of the diversity of what we see in PG County, it has really become this issue of haves and have-nots. And that's unfortunate because if you do not have, do you not access learning during this time? And how do you support the families who can't access the Internet? Because not because the Internet, because Xfinity has given out Internet access for free, but I might not have the device to access the Internet. And what do you do in, in, in those instances? And how do you support and ensure that our kids who are already far behind, don't lose more instruction. So that is the battle, and that's something that we're only going to see once school begins again. What are the real gaps that happen in instruction? And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, great point, and you hit it right on the head. That's my biggest fear uh, um, is the equity. What's going to happen to the kids who can't have access? Okay, so we've sort of talked about what that looks like, right? So should parents be stressing about getting it right and whether their child will fall behind 
or whether they should just, you know, allow their kids to disappear into social media and video games for weeks or months because that will allow them to get their work done. I know several moms who are stressing out, like, I can't do this. You know, I can't possibly work full-time and teach my child full-time. I, I would definitely say that parents should not stress. I would say if they could, my target is one math thing and one reading thing. Whatever that math thing look like looks like, which could be helping to prepare a snack. Um, we were all thrown into this situation, and we're all learning as we go. So I would ask parents to prioritize their emotional well-being. Okay, and I like that point that you made. We're going to do this one math thing. So actually setting maybe weekly goals for the children versus, like, they have to do this, this, and that every single day. Does that make sense? Is that okay? Yeah, I, I, I think structure I think, is always going to be important. I agree. I don't think you should overload yourself because you have to be mentally sane for your children, right? And nobody learns from a stressed-out parent. You know, I see all these memes of a belt with a kid talking about they at Rona Elementary and parents praying and pleading. Nobody learns in that kind of environment. No child learns in that kind of environment. So as much as possible, if you could just make it simple as one reading and one math, you can't go wrong with having your child read every day. I don't care what they read. You cannot go wrong with ensuring and that your children read every day and ensuring that you do, like, basic math facts basic multiplication facts, you can't lose. I think when you do nothing in idle time, that's when we start losing. And even if you don't know the basic math facts, there's so many free resources that I think we're going to go into later that you can, a lot of computer programs and even access to your phone, because I don't care how, what your income level is, everybody has a phone. So those kind of things that can be accessed through mobile devices and just one reading on the app, I think that is if you want to get as simple, you have a bad day, look, just read and just do this math thing um, as much as possible. Right, right. And like you said, everybody has a phone, and they have so many free apps right now where parents could uh, let their kids do those apps, those learning apps. I want to say that, you know, Moms, if you're listening, I know you can take some comfort in knowing that lessons rarely go perfect for teachers themselves. And one thing for sure is that consistency helps. And so I want to go back to the comment one of you made about homeschool. And most moms that have homeschool say that they get a lot done in three hours. And so the idea of trying to replicate school at home is simply impossible if you're trying to also work. It's just like it's unrealistic. And so I want to know what you guys think about those parents who – are thinking that they should try to replicate school. It's like, how do I get my kid to to stay on the same schedule that they were on at school? And for me, I think that that's impossible, like I just said. But I want to know from an educator standpoint, um, what do you guys think? Not only, I guess, an educator standpoint, but also a parent standpoint. Well, I agree, Kim. This is the, that it's just not possible right now to do that. And you're going to stress yourself out trying to replicate a school schedule. There are so many different transitions, specials, fire drills. There's so many other things that happen in a school building that don't necessarily happen in your home. So you just really have to find your own niche, like what works for you. Create your own schedule. 
I really had to do that with my own daughter because I was like, look, I can't replicate her school day and then try to get my own work done. So you really just have to try to find out what works best for you. And quite honestly, we're done with quote-unquote school by noon most days or maybe like 1 o'clock because there's no way I'm going to do school with her until 3, 3.30 and then still have to go ahead and do my work. Yeah, that's good, Dee. One of the things you got to remember about an actual school day is there's a lot of social time in there. So, you know, kids are taking restroom breaks. They're going to cafeteria. They're having gyms. So trying to replicate a schedule like that is really not even necessary. Just the act of learning and having some time to sit down and read, do some math, take a break, eat lunch, go outside if possible for a little while. If there are siblings, um, interacting with your siblings or pets, things like that kind of fill in what often is tried, that we try to replicate in a school, really. Yeah, that's good. Well, I absolutely agree because what I, what you need to a good way of looking at it is would you do tutoring all day long for six hours? No, there's no need, right? When you do one on one tutoring, it doesn't need to go that long. Tutoring never lasts more than an hour for a kid, and less than that if your child is uh, a little younger, because one on one, your child is getting one on one instruction with you. So one on one instruction in a school day is totally different. A teacher's addressing. 20 to 30 kids, so they need that longer time. When it's just you and your child, it does not need to go that long. So my subjects are usually 40 minutes with my children because they're one-on-one. And since they're one-on-one, they don't have to last that long. So you're absolutely right with the homeschool, um, with your homeschool parents saying, look, it's three hours because it's one-on-one. There's less distractions. There's less of that social piece that someone just spoke about. It's just one-on-one. So I can deliver the instruction, I can explain it, and I can ask questions because it's just one person or two people, however many kids you have. So just think about it like that. It's one-on-one tutoring. They're going to get what you receive because they're the only people in the room. They're the only child in the room. A teacher's day, if you think school day, if it was one-on-one, the school day would be six hours, there would be no need. Just think about it in, in that in that vein, because a teacher has 20 to 30 kids, you have one. It does not need to last all day, and you will stress yourself out. For me, unlike that, I don't spend the bulk of my time. I do gaps. So I might do 40 minutes, take a big break, do another 40 minutes, take another big break, because I need mornings. I can't wait until 1 o'clock to get things done. I can't wait until the afternoon to get things done, because people are needing the work day. People are asking me for things throughout the day. So I'll start my school day at 9, and for 40 minutes we'll do math and reading. I'll alternate, and then I'll take a break. And y'all got another 30 minutes while I write this email and have this Zoom call, and then we'll come back. And that break can look very differently for people. So um, I just would be flexible and be kind to yourself, right? Don't beat yourself up. Be kind to yourself. Understand it's one-on-one, so it doesn't need to last like a school day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. I know for a lot of moms that will be reassurance because, like I said, they were just, like, you know, freaking out. Like, oh, my gosh, I got to do this. I got to do that. But, no, you don't. So what about those moms that are struggling? Maybe the kids are like, I don't want to do work. You know, I'm at home. And so they don't know how to switch to learning mode at home. What tips do you guys have for them? I know at first my daughter was like, no, I'm not doing that. And it's like, I mean, she was joking, right? But it's like, 
in their little minds, especially like if you have elementary kids, it's hard for them to sort of adjust to, you know, strictly learning at home. She knows that we do like homework at home and some additional learning, but it's not like school, right? And that is not the intention. And so I know that I had to have a conversation with her about being serious at certain times, but I know, you know, some moms are out there and they're struggling with this. Well, I would just say a lot of learning is about relationships. So the advantage that parents have that teachers have to take time to build is the relationship that you already have with your child. So we often think that school is, has to be about books and papers and pens, but if you think back to your own learning, in, in most cases, you learn so much just by being in company with your parents. So helping to cook a meal, sorting laundry, how much math that, that's involved in, in sorting and, you know, putting like things together, especially for young kids. There are things that parents can do. You know, reading, you have a child read to you, and you just simply ask questions. It doesn't have to be whether you're sitting them at the kitchen table or the dining room table or a desk or wherever it is that's so formal that, that their learning has to take place that way. So if a parent is struggling, you know, again, we start, kind of take a deep breath and just think about, you know, what are, what's your goal? What is, is your goal for your child to be a better reader or have that reading activity? And then the same with math. I say this as a math teacher all the time, you know, just understanding, you know, my mom always had the nesting uh, measuring cups, understanding how those cups fit into each other that represented, you know, a cup, a half a cup, a third a cup, et cetera. There was so much math in me understanding um, number relationships just by knowing those cups. So it's just simple things. The relationship is at the heart of whatever it is you learn. And for parents, you've got a leg up with that relationship. I completely agree. If all else fails, let me tell you what teachers do not work on. Teachers do not work on conversation skills. Teachers do not work on presentation skills. Teachers don't work on budgeting. Teachers don't work on career day. Teachers don't work on chores. They don't work on cooking. They don't work on just basic writing about your thoughts, right? and just basic experimenting. We don't have time to work on that. So if you can have a conversation with your child, like having a conversation with a child in, like in this day and era where technology has taken over is the, the most difficult thing I've ever experienced in my life. How to just speak their complete thought and talk about their feelings and express those things. Those are things that academia, we do not work on. And it is a struggle when they get to college. And I know um, we have people on the line with adult children. Just it, It's a struggle to look at a high school student not being able to have a conversation, not being able to look you in your eyes, not being able to express a complete thought. So if all else fails, let me tell you, that's the things that we do not work on because we're struggling to meet these academic common core standards and meeting any standards. So if you can work on those social skills, if you can work on after they do an art, they write, they draw a picture, they stand up and present it in front of you. Why did you choose those colors? 
Why did you do those things? We don't have time to deal with those things, but those skills are important. And those skills, they can monopolize right now while they're at home. Having students looking, having your children look you in the eye when they talk to you, having your child, teaching your child how to shake a hand. How many times I, in eighth grade graduation, I have to teach a child how to shake a hand and how to look people in their eye when they're talking to them and adults and address them. So it's, like, there's so many other skills that schools do not work on, and as much as you put pressure on your child to get that, how can they hold a whole conversation with you and have a discourse where there's back and forth? We don't address that. Children be able to iron. I taught my son how to iron a shirt this week. That is a skill. That is a skill. That is lost because we're in the hustle and bustle of school and trying to get homework done. So if anything, like she said, sorting of laundry, how do you cook for yourself? How do you make a sandwich and don't have to, and those things make you independent. So how do you not rely on me? And I can still get work done because you know how to make your own lunch. Because in the end, yes. it's going to benefit you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I was just having a conversation with my friend today about doing thing, more things that my daughter can do on her own or having her do those things. Because I heard somebody say on a podcast that, Anything that your child can do, don't do it for them. Allow them to do it. They learn more. And so I've been trying to do the job of doing that myself. So I encourage you that are out there listening to take this advice. And um, I know you guys mentioned setting a routine, making a schedule. Um, how important is this for, for the moms to do in order to um, be successful and productive. Now, I was going to say schedules bring consistency and um, routine, and that's that's critical for children. It, it it's comforting that structure lets them know what to expect. And so, while for some of us when we have schedules and routines, it's stressful. When the when the schedule is realistic and really has the child in mind, for them it, it's a source of of safety and comfort. So I think, and then for the mom, it's sanity. Like there has to be a bedtime. I always tell younger parents, like bedtimes are not for kids. Bedtimes are for moms. <laughs> you have to have a time when they shut down so you can regroup and reset. And so it's true throughout the day. You know, there needs to be a time when there's quiet time or when mommy's going to get her work done so you need to read a book. So that routine is going to be, I think, vital to the survival of, of parents and kids everywhere during this time. I totally agree. Um, I thrive off of a routine, so just finding what works for you again. But, yes, children definitely thrive off of a routine. They need to know what comes next, and it has definitely helped me get through these last couple of weeks working from home and then having a toddler in the house with me all day. So we need to have some type of structure and order. Otherwise, you know, parents are going to go crazy. Okay, awesome. So I also wanted to talk about what should be included in the schedule. So I was doing some research earlier, and these are some things that I found. And you guys let me know what you think or if this is too much or if there is something that's missing, something that needs to be taken away, okay? So I found that breaks, meals, 
choices of activities that don't require supervision. I believe Khadija talked about this earlier, things that kids can do independently. And this can be tailored to meet the individual needs of the child. And so if you have older kids, and obviously they can do more physical time, I think, Khadija, you also mentioned that the kids, you know, they play at school, they have gym time. So this could simply be a walk outside. This could be allowing the kid to run around the house. You could even pull up a YouTube video um, that they can do. Parents work hours. Kids work hours. So what are they actually doing at what time? Chores. Screen time at the end of the day, and I know some people are going to cringe at this, but these are desperate times, y'all. we got to do what we got to do. Quiet time, play time, and this is a time where you actually spend it with your child at the end of the day. You put your phone down and you give them that hour if that is designated for play time. Well, I agree. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say those are the things that I found. I agree. Um, I think what's also important is I have um, things that a list of things that they can do on their break because if I think if you leave it open. Um, you mm-hmm. might see your child run to social media. You might see your child run to things that you don't Fortnite and other things. And if you don't mind them being on Fortnite, fine. But I just have a hard time getting my child back once they oh, get on. Oh, that's good. Actually, having and a list for the breaks. I do have a length of breaks, and I put a timer on. So this is your break um, when the timer goes off. And there's a list of things that they can do. Like I have board games at my house. I have I have coloring. I have a bunch of non-technology things that they can do. There's a jump rope. It's been so nice outside. So there's a list of things that they can do on their break. So I don't have to call them back from the computer because they – and then it's that back and forth. That's what I realized, right, because they're used to being, like, I get to be on my computer, so I get to play games, and no, that's not what's happening. And if you choose to do that, that's fine. My children just have a hard time coming back. So um, I have a list of things that they can do on their break, and this be their choice. So they also feel like they have autonomy. So I'm not telling them what they have to do on their break. They get to choose, but they get to choose from this list. Um, and time it, right? So breaks are a certain time. And if not, and they could be as long as you choose. So I think breaks are important. And snacks, when they are going to have snacks? I, my children have snacks two times a day because if not, they'll be in the fridge all the time. So <laughs> you get breakfast. You get breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks. So, and that is set in their in their schedule because that's what they do in school. So it shouldn't change when they're at home. Like you don't eat more when you're at home unless you're bored. So, <laughs> right. that's something that that I, I gotta I gotta add snacks in there because if you've ever been to the grocery store during this time, it's hot. So we have to ration those things out, and you're not gonna be eating all day. So I think snacks breaks should be included, and if you do do breaks. Give them a list of things that you feel like they can do, um, definitely independent of you. I have an advantage because I have two children who are close in age that can play with each other. So that also helps. But if they're independent, like my daughter likes to make videos, I give her my phone while I'm on the computer. You can make a dance video, and that's fine with me. Um, it's not TikTok, but you could you could make a dance video. That's fine with me. But what are some things that they can do independent of you and giving them that list, breaks and snacks included? I like that. I, I saw this one meme <laughs> that was saying, you know, like, use your um, at-school stomach when you're home. That was so funny to me. It's like you don't just eat snacks when you get ready at school, so you do the same thing at home. That was funny to me. But go ahead. I think somebody else was trying to talk. I was just going to say, and with that list, 
if it's for older kids, and I would say really from first and second grade up, you can co-construct that list together. So sit down and talk about, okay, if this is going to be our reading time, what are some things that you would like to do during reading time? And then we, we as a mom and child pair, we kind of come to a consensus. It's a great way to build um, critical thinking skills in your child. It's also a great way to help them understand reality. So, no, we're not going to go ride a pony after, you know, during our break time. That's not realistic, you know, for younger kids. But just giving them that somewhat of some say in it will also provide some buy-in. That's good. So would any of you care to take a minute to just give us a brief run-through of what your schedule looks like every day? Anybody, routine, schedule, like you wake up, you eat breakfast, the kids are still asleep, I assume, they wake up, what does that transition look like, that sort of thing? Well, um, mine is pretty standard, and it's posted on the fridge. So, oh, that's um, good. So I post the schedule on what the schedule is going to be because that's what they see in school anyway, and it's just I'm a, that's that educator mom in, mom in me, and I'm just like, okay, so we don't have a question of what's happening right now because it's posted. So um, breakfast usually, my kids usually get up around 8 now, 8 a.m., so I do breakfast, school day starts at 9, so we alternate, they're 40-minute breaks, I mean 40-minute classes, so it starts at 9, Monday through Friday, I alternate, I alternate between reading and math for that first 40 minutes, and then if I have math at 9, that means at 9.40 I take a 20-minute break, and they have a list of things that they can do in that 20-minute break, and then we go back than reading. If we started out with math, we do reading. If we started out with reading, we do math, that second that second um, stretch. So for 10 to 1040, um, they'll do reading or math, depending on what they did first. And then they'll have a 20-minute snack break. So they get to relax and those kind of things. And I get to send emails and do whatever I need to do. And then free write. Um, I have free write at 1030. And they get to write a letter to their friends. I might give them a writing prompt. Or they can just free write and they have journals where they just write. And I put nice music on, and they just have at it. And I don't care what they write. They just write because I feel like writing is just one of those lost arts. And, you know, my daughter might not to write everything, but she's writing what she has for, for dinner or whatever. It's just free write. There's no judgment. And then we have lunch. And then lunch is 90 minutes. And we just, you go recess, you eat. I get time to cook. They get time to help me with making their lunch. And then we get recess for 90 minutes. We come back at 1240, and then we start another subject. Um, and that alternate between social studies and science from 1240 to 140 with a break in between. So it, the break just helped me. And my day is longer because I have longer breaks. So, and then after that, we have snacks, the last snack, and then my children have language. And also, my, my teachers, the teachers of my students give them work. So they have something to do. So that's just how I broke down my schedule. And my schedule ends around 240. 3 o'clock because I have longer breaks in between, and that's just a choice of mine. And no class or no subject lasts more than forty minutes, and that's just what I have chosen to do. I can take a picture and I can show you what I what I just explained. It's hard for you to get a visual. I'll post it. Um, or yeah, get a yeah, if you don't mind so sharing it with me. Yeah, I will. Um, no problem. I have it on a dry erase board, but it's just longer because. 
I have longer breaks, and I think my because I need the break for I for for me to get work done. So that's up to the parents. Okay, awesome. And Khadija, can you remind everybody how old your kids are? Sure. Um, my son is eleven. My daughter's eight. So that's second and fifth grade. Okay, so that elementary age, they should be pretty good past first grade because my daughter can read pretty well. I don't know about, you know, some of the other parents, like, what age they're really supposed to be reading. I think by, like, first grade, they should be pretty independent at reading, right? Um, or no? It depends, right? Every time no, it's, it's um, kindergarten. Kindergarten? Okay. So um, I think it depends really on where you live, but I know where I am now, the push is really for them to be a fluent independent reader on a level CD at the end of kindergarten. Okay. So I was just thinking that this schedule could work for any kids first grade and up, but you're saying that they may be able to work for kindergarten too. Just trying to think of, I'm, you know, age groups. I'm sure you can adjust it to, you know, the child's level or what whatever your needs might be. So that is okay. with any so schedule too. Dog- you know, like having the schedule written, you discuss it with them, and then they can refer back to it, and they they know how to tell time. Because I know my daughter, she can do digital pretty well. I mean, the other, you know, telling it by hands and stuff, she's still working on that. But digital time, she's pretty good at. And I don't know what age group that is either. Even if they can't tell the time, um, the digital time is fine as well, right? So they have um, devices where they have the time. So even if they know the school day starts at 9, so there's an alarm that goes up at 9, and there's a, several alarms that go off for lunch, and then there's another alarm that gets them back. So there are certain alarms that are set in my phone that notify them that the school day has begun in certain breaks. Other than that, um, they have we're keeping up with our own time. But I'm pretty flexible. I know it sounds like I'm super structured, but I'm really flexible with, you know, just feeling them out. Right? If it's not a good day, it's not a good day. And I might just do chores that day. And you got to fill that out. So I'm not super stuck to my schedule. And that's the thing about teaching, too. When you're an educator, you got to flow with, with, with kids, how kids show up. And as a parent, you flow with your, my child didn't wake up so good today. So I might just do chores in the beginning. And school day might start at 10 today instead of our regular 9, or might start at lunch. Because I, they might have recess on the front end because I just know they need to get this energy out that I'm, I'm feeling this vibe, right? Somebody said relationship. You know your yeah, time. Yeah. So if you feel like they can't function right now, don't start math or reading because it's just going to end in like this battle. So be flexible and start whatever you feel like that day um, and whatever you feel from your kid that you're getting that day. That's good. Yeah, I would say, too, that the, – I would say, too, the nice thing about you doing the teaching instead of a teacher doing the teaching, like you said, the the school day can start whenever it makes sense for your child and your family. I mean, there are some kids that are not morning people. And you know, like I I know out of my three kids, I knew who was going to wake up chipper and ready to do the day, and I knew who it was going to take till around 10 or 11 for their juice to get flowing. If, if you know that about your your child, structure your day that way because there's nobody standing over you that's saying, oh, school has to be from 8 to 3 every day. No, it doesn't. It, it has to work for you and your family. You know, everybody's 
stay-at-home work is also not nine-to-five work. Some people's stay-at-home work is, you know, two to whatever in the afternoon and into the evening. So, you know, be again, be easy on yourself. Make that schedule time that works for you and your family. Okay, awesome. Dee, did you want to share really quickly what that pre-K schedule looks like for your daughter? Because I know their attention spans are not <laughs> the greatest, and they only Very focus short. so long. <laughs> so what does that look like? Just in a minute, can you quickly share with us? So my daughter goes to a private school. She's three. And they are also doing some type of distance learning, if you will. Um, And I just received her, quote-unquote, distance learning from her teacher for next week. So I think our schedule will look a little bit different next week. But as of now, it's been really fluid because, again, I need to find a way for her to be engaged independently and for me to be able to get some things done. So we typically get up around 8, 7.30 in the morning. We'll have breakfast. We'll do a devotional, which for her might be a Bible story on YouTube or read the Bible. Um, We'll go over her Bible verses that they sent home. Um, And then she'll start, like, um, so I kind of set up her playroom like a center. So this week was all about vets in a pet clinic. So her playroom had vocabulary words, pretend sign-in sheet. She has a little doctor costume. So she's been the vet all week. So she'll go over in her playroom, do her thing. (laughs) for like 20 minutes while I quickly check emails, drink coffee, get class dojo real quick, and then we'll have like a brain break. So I teach kindergarten, and in my classroom, my lessons cannot be very long because their attention span is very short. So we have brain breaks. So we'll do some type of movement song that I do in my own classroom. We'll sing a song real quick, move and break, have a snack. And then she'll go back to her playroom. We might do like a little activity where she'll practice writing her name. She'll do, like, letters for me. She is actually beginning to read, which she has really um, surprised me with. So she has a couple of early readers that we will do around that time as well. Um, We'll have lunch. Lunch for her is including a math activity. Can you count out your fruit snacks? Can you, you know, count to 100 to me? Something like that. That would be her math activity. Um, And then she takes a nap. (laughs) And so when she takes a nap, that is where I get the bulk of my work done uh, because she'll definitely nap between 2, 2.30 to about 3, 3.30, sometimes even 4 o'clock. Um, and then by that time, I've had most of my work done. We get up from nap, have snack, go outside, eat dinner, and do it all over again the next day. Um, so that has been working for us as of now. Um, I know that her teacher sent me a schedule for next week. So I am interested to see how distance learning looks for pre-K-3 because what it looks like is that the teacher will be doing a Zoom session in the morning and then um, they'll be doing something on ABC Mouse and then they're sending us packets for the kids to do. So I don't know. We'll see how that looks. So I can also send you that schedule too so you can look at it. Yes, that would be awesome. That way I can share your schedules with everybody and then they can sort of choose what works for them, right? Kaya and Crystal, do you guys have any tips for middle school schedules? Um, Could they be similar to, you know, Khadijah's um, sort of elementary schedule or does it look a little bit different since they are more independent? 
I would say absolutely. It can absolutely look the same. What, what the kids do during those different times may vary. Believe it or not, uh, adolescents are more like toddlers than they are like adults. And so having those frequent breaks, opportunities for them to process what they've learned, stand up, move around, get fresh air, really that's what should be happening for, for teenagers. In schools, though, we pushed it the other way. And really what all the research says out there about adolescents and what they need to learn and the function mimics more of what happens in an elementary school or an elementary classroom. So absolutely. But the, the only thing that I would think would be a little bit different is obviously, you know, older kids can do more things independently. So, you know, if, if you're having a, um, a language arts or reading block and you're saying, okay, during this time you're going to read, they can very well pick up a novel and read, and you can just ask them very general questions or ask them to give you a summary. So I just think the, the finite pieces within the schedule would look different for an older student, but you could absolutely have the same type of break. Okay, awesome. Now, have any of you worked with high school before? <laughs> Yes, this is Crystal. I, I was a high school yeah. teacher and principal. Okay, Crystal, so what do you think about their schedule? Should we even create a schedule for them, or should they sort of work with us to co-create a schedule since they are, you know, really independent? They're more independent than those middle school students. Um, I absolutely think high school students need a schedule so that um, they are still children. At the end of the day, they're still children. So they need a schedule, um, but I think they can very much be part of, you know, let's see what works. Because like a toddler, if you are pushing something on a high school student, you're going to have more rebellion going on and you fighting with them than anything getting done, which is not going to be productive for anybody. So the more that you can sit down and say, all right, let's take a look at what is your school expecting, what is your school providing, because if the high school student is expected to get on um, Google Chats and Zoom calls with their teacher, the schedule might be created for them in, so, in some way. Now, if they're looking at a lot of recordings or they have packets and things like that, then there's more leeway for the household to come up with what does the schedule look like. But, again, just like with younger kids, you know, push in those breaks push in those opportunities to check in because unlike, you know, in kind of the world we knew a few weeks ago, you know, they may have been going out of the house for jobs and socializing and things like that. That's not happening now. So I think helping them to cope is going to be part of what that schedule is going to help them do. Okay, awesome. That's really good. I really agree. That is so important. Um, I taught high school math. Um, I was a beginning high school teacher before I went into lower school. And what, what's important is that they have the autonomy, that they co-create something with you, right? At this age and at high school, you want them to understand the importance of their word and commitment, right? They're about to have a job. So when they say to you that you're working things out with them, it's almost like an agreement. This is what you have said that you can do. This is what you have said that you're willing to do. This is what we have agreed upon. You want them to hold them to that word, and that's important. So when they fall short, it's not this is what I said. This is what you said you were going to be able to do. 
And because you said that you and because you didn't complete that, then there's going to be a consequence or then there's going to be something. Because that's important at this age that they understand their word and they understand that they, they need to honor their commitment. So I think that is really important at the high school age. I've also worked with someone this week in Organized, like, this is the age where high school kids learn how to, you know, I have a 16-year-old nephew that I talk to, and he wants to learn how to drive. Like, there's other things that they can do. They can take their permit test. They're here, and that's an incentive for him. So for me, I'm like, okay, I'll pay for you to get your, your, your permit. When you have breaks with your online learning, study for your permit test. There's other things that kids can do outside. Work on your resume. You want a summer job? There's going to be a bunch of summer schools hiring and summer camps hiring. Because we've been out of work, the summer push is going to be huge. So get your resume together. Get things in place of references together. Teach them how to work on a job. And a part of that is honoring their commitments and along with the academic piece. So you're also teaching them other life skills that go along with them learning from home. And I would also say for the high school student in particular, allow them to learn something they want to learn. So, so many of the platforms now are offering free classes. Like my daughter just told me while she's kind of on furlough here with us, she's going to teach herself graphic design. She found, I think she's on Skillshare or some platform like that, and as a student, I think she gets a free trial or something. So, you know, part of you sitting down with your high schooler and saying, okay, let's co-create with what our life's going to look like, you know, build in there. What's something you really wanted to learn how to do, but maybe you didn't have time to do it in school or there was no class available at your school? And see if you guys can find that where they can learn that skill or, or that, um, that idea online. That's good, too. So how involved should the parents be in their kids' learning on every level, whether it's pre-K, elementary, middle school, you know, high school? Because we've talked about, you know, how we should schedule the time, right? But what does that actually look like? How involved do they need to be, I guess, based on their age levels? I think someone said it earlier. Like, they're still kids. They're still going to test the limits. They're going to they're test what they can, you know, what they're going to get away with, how serious you are, right? Is this my mother going to be about this for like a week and then she's going to forget? Like they know who you are, right? They know who you are as a parent. So as much as possible, that's why the schedule is important. It's just as much for the kid. It's just as much as for you than it is for the kid because you have to hold yourself accountable, right, because this is going to be the test to see how committed you are to them. So as much as possible, I would monitor them. And even if you don't, um, and that's why I need alarms, because I need to check in with my my kids. Like, okay, so this alarm went off. I know I need to check in. I know I need to figure out. And I set them up before I leave them alone. But as much as possible, there needs to be some kind of, like, accountability for the first couple of weeks so they know you're not playing. So they know that this is not business as usual. They know it's not Saturday and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So there has to be some – they don't believe you yet, right, because they usually just have their parents for the weekend and at night. So this is completely new for them too. You're changing a culture at your house. And understand with any business, with any anything, any entity, changing a culture is a huge shift. 
you have your kids on the weekend mostly, and you don't teach them academics. So for them, you're going to have to let them know and lay down the law. You're going to have to set expectations, and you're going to have to set rules and guidelines. Like, look, I understand that this is, y'all think it's going to be Fortnite all day, or y'all think it's going to be Roblox for three hours. It ain't happening. So let me tell you what's going to go down. And setting those expectations and those ground rules and sticking to it. My children this week have tested any type of sympathy on motherhood they could. But my stomach hurts. So why can't I lay in the bed? Yeah. They will test your limits because they know who you are. They're smart. But you have to hold your ground and be consistent. Be consistent. However, that let's be flexible, but be consistent. Yes, I'm going to let you go, go, to, go to school at 12 today, at 12 p.m. today, but let me tell you, this reading and this math won't get done. So as much as possible, just remain consistent and remain serious because once they feel like you ain't about this life, they are going to use that to their advantage because they're kids, and it's not malicious because it's just that they're home, and the culture is not, this is not the culture for home. So you're changing a culture, and it's going to take time to stay the course. I would say for parents, one thing to remember is that everything other than breathing and doing whatever I as a parent have laid out for you, everything else is a privilege, and privileges are earned. So however long it takes you to complete your assignment, however long it takes you to finish reading, you know, that book or whatever I've asked you to read or to finish those math problems, that's how long you are off of your privileges, period. That's good, too. Awesome. Thank y'all. So for those parents out there that may not have resources like Khadija mentioned earlier, they don't have Internet or they may not have a device to use, you know, the Internet or printer, and the school hasn't really sent anything to them, what can they do? That's tough because if they don't have a device and and they don't have a printer, you would hope that the parents are being creative and finding ways for them to continue to at least one math or one reading activity. Um, I know for my county that I work in, I just received the email as we were on the phone, uh, we are actually going to start distributing devices um, to families that are in need of a device along with Internet access because they're trying to build some type of equity throughout all of this because now that we are moving into an online platform, um, a lot of kids don't have access to that. Now, fortunately, I am in a Title I school, but fortunately my classes here, they all have some type of um, device at home. So this has actually been a quite smooth transition for my students because they either have an iPad, a tablet, mom has a computer, somebody is at home with the device. They have an older sibling or something. Um, so it hasn't been an issue for me. But I know that there are other classrooms in my building where parents are just trying to make it, like they're in survival mode. They are not thinking about a packet or a Google Classroom. So we're really trying to reach those kids because we don't want them to fall further behind, but we're trying to give them the resources to make sure that they're okay. 
Okay, that's awesome. And I think somebody mentioned earlier about, you know, learning through experiences. So just working with people in the kitchen or going outside, maybe making a collage. I don't know, something, you know, that they can do. Writing, I think Khadija mentioned free writing. So things like that that don't actually require a worksheet or a printer, you know, that they can do to uh, make sure their child is still learning. I didn't have, and I know I had access to this, so I didn't feel like going to the store. But um, I I had index cards, and if you have index cards, you have paper in your house, that's fine. So basic facts, math facts. You can create, I don't know if you could cut or you know how you crease the paper so much you can rip it yourself. You create basic math facts. So your child knows their basic math facts when I'm saying adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. Um, independent on that age level, right? So if I'm in early elementary, I want them to get that addition and subtraction. If they're third grade and up, I want that multiplication and division. If you can do that as flashcards and create your own flashcards for that, let me tell you, if you have the basic math facts, there is no math you can't learn. So that is usually what trips people up. That is usually what stumbles the stumble blocks because kids don't know their basic math facts. So if you could even do that and create, and if you and I know most parents know those things, right? You know how to add and subtract and up to, you know, 20 and of numbers 1 to 20 and subtract numbers 1 to 20. If they got that within three seconds in their basic math facts, you have really supported a math teacher, right? And they could move a child from there. Also, reading sight words. Create your own sight word cards. That also helps, right? So there is, you could Google that on your phone or not, that's fine. Go around the house and figure out the and anything that you can figure out on your own, create flashcards for your children and go through those daily. And that's it. If that's all you do, you have helped a teacher out tremendously, and then you go into those life skills, that's fine. But if all else fails, basic math facts and sight words, and getting students to understand or getting your child to just read anything, just pick up a book and read anything or read to them so they understand what a fluent reader sounds like. Whatever it is, if you don't have a device, create your own flashcards and get going. It's fine. We're okay with that. And I would say for older students, they can read um, the newspaper. They can read magazines. They can read the encyclopedia. I mean, whatever whatever printed material you can get your hands on, it will be vital to an older student. One of the things that um, middle school and high school students struggle with is informational text, meaning um, factual pieces. So newspaper articles, um, owner's manuals, um, anything that's not a fictional story they often struggle with. So if you just have your kids reading a newspaper article and you have a discussion about it, or, um, you know, if you get, if the parents subscribe or get any type of magazines, having them read stories out of those, all of that would be vital. And again, I'm, I agree with the math fact. I said I teach adjuncts at a community college, and I have very grown people in my classes who cannot do double-digit multiplication without a calculator. So if you can get your kids to understand, and, and, and for older kids, maybe they go up to 100, or maybe they go up to 50 or some higher number, but getting them to be able to do those facts and make, make a game out of it, you know, make it fun. 
That's good. Good information, y'all. So lastly, what resources do you guys have or you think are really good? I guess if you had to share your top two resources, what would they be? And then if you have any extra resources that you want to share, um, just send them to me and I can include them in the show notes for the listeners. I have two, um, and these are digital. Um, they, uh, one of them can be printed if, if need be. Uh, one is Achieve 3000, and I'll, I'll send you the link. It's Achieve, Achieve3000.com. They are opening up their platform um, for remote learning. So when you log on to their homepage, it goes right to a remote learning tab. You click on that, and that has uh, informational text articles for kids in grades 2 through 12, and they have um, questions that they can answer after each article, all kinds of things. And so they have, um, they're opening that platform up um, in a limited format for parents to either print those packets and have them or to actually use them digitally. The other one is um, Learn Zillion, like Learn Z-I-L-L-I-O-N. And again, I'll send you the link. Same kind of thing, a digital platform for uh, reading, and they also have a math component. Um, and I think that goes up to grade seven for their math. But a great source for kids to read um, fiction and nonfiction and also do math. And, again, opening up their platform, it's usually something that districts will pay for and have, but, you know, because of this, they are opening that up. And then I know this is the third one. But I'll just say this because I do tutor. A lot of people who tutor in all types of subjects in wherever you live are available and doing the same thing. They're setting up um, Zoom calls and being able to do things virtually. So don't feel like, you know, again, if you have the technology, don't feel like you are in this alone. There are people that, you know, will help you that are a little more close. Thank you. My online resources would probably be um, I like Khan Academy because you can set up a free a free account and it track you, right? You could set them up for their grade level and you could just it could be a track where you could just keep on going with lessons for math. Um, I really like that. But IXL does the basic math facts and I love anything that does basic math facts that helps me give the children the basics so I can just take it from there. So it's either IXL.com or KhanAcademy.com, and you could set up. They both have agreed. Well, Khan Academy is free um, already, but IXL has agreed to suspend their licensing and give, give kids free accounts during this time. Um, the last that I really, really love is ReadWorks.org. I love ReadWorks.org because it gives a child a reading passage, and then it gives them um, comprehension questions at the end they can answer online. So I love that because it's a great assimilation of what they'll get in terms of standardized testing and what they'll get from their teacher, and it takes away from the, the parent having to necessarily come up with their own questions. And I like that. Like you get a child really understanding and really questioning. They have a vocabulary component component with the questions. So it's called Read Works. That's a S, it's plural. Um, dot org. And you set them up with an account, and you could just and you could search all types of nonfiction. We talked about nonfiction and um, 
um, fictional stories. You can you can create a whole pathway for your child, and it's amazing. And they read it from online, and then they answer questions at the end, and they give them a score. And you could either tell them to redo it. You could look at the questions they got wrong. You could do a bunch of things, and I love it. Um, so that those are the three I would recommend. Um, as they're all free right now, but I think they would cost if we weren't going through what we're going through right now. So for mine, it's more on a pre-K, pre-K level. So ABC Mouse, my daughter likes a lot. Um, it's like in a game format, but it really does meet the kids where they are. You as a parent can set the level. So um, you can go in and set them on pre-K, kindergarten, first, whatever, and the games will be tailored to their level. Um, Starfall.com is another free resource I've used in the classroom. Um, it's literacy-based, but there is a math component. I don't know if that part is free, but I know that the literacy um, activities are free. And then my students also do um, Mayan for reading comprehension, um, and I don't know if that is free now, but it, it does cost, but there is another online resource. Another one that we also use in the classroom, which is free right now because of this whole situation is Epic Read. It is an online library, if you will, and it will actually read to the student the text, and it can read them the text in English and Spanish. So it has been very helpful for us as we have a high ELL population in my school to help the children um, navigate those stories. So those are some just resources I've used in the classroom, and I'm using at home now as well. Thank you. I would add abcya.com, also digital. I just love the interactive games. It has anything from math facts to high-frequency words. And I can share with the listeners an email address because they're giving parents 30 days free for the paid version. Awesome. That's awesome. I think my daughter used to use that. And she's used a lot of the ones that y'all have mentioned, so those are good. All right, y'all, so thank you so much for sharing all of this information tonight. I appreciate it. Do you have any final words of encouragement for these moms out here? Just breathe and drink a lot of coffee. It'll be okay. You keep your kids alive. <laughs> You've done You've done a great job, but this is stressful for all of us, including the kids, because their schedules have been messed up, and they're trying to adjust to a new routine. And So, you know, just take it one day at a time. I would say start the day with gratitude for, you know, the Zoom calls start and the conference calls and the kids get up and get moving. Just take five minutes and, you know, think of ten things you're thankful for that are immediate and kind of put yourself in a positive space and then start the day. I love that. My goal is to start the day with five positive things, and I would just say take the pressure off of yourself because we're all in a learning curve. Awesome. I would definitely say I agree. Um, and the truth of the matter is you'll, there'll be good days and there'll be some bad days, right? And we just pray for the strength to get through, but this is going to be a phenomenal experience that your child will look back on and that they got to spend some time with you. Above all else, aside from the academics, 
they got to get to know you, who you are at this, at this, where you are, right? And that is what you want them to stick, right? When they get back to school, I have to spend time with my mom. What do you want them to gain from that experience? Because aside from the academics, you ain't their teacher. That's fine. But what do they? What do you want them to learn from you? They do got this time set aside that would never happen if this pandemic did not happen. What do you want them to learn about who you are to them? And if you just love on them, that's enough. So um, that's all I would say. Wow, that's good. That's good. That's real good. Well, ladies, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you taking out the time to um, chat with me. All right. I hope you found this episode helpful. You learned some things and you feel a little bit better. Maybe as if a small burden has been lifted off of your shoulder. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe so that you never miss an episode and rate the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Please connect with me on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. Like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood. And check out the website, singleblackmotherhood.com. And as always, feel free to email me anytime, singleblackmotherhood at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate it. And until next time, talk to you later.